Hello and welcome to In the Shower with Taz and Marcus, a bite-sized informative podcast designed to be listened in the shower, but really you can listen to it anywhere. The whole point of this podcast is that we answer the mysteries of the world. Listeners send in questions they have always wondered the answer to and we do our best to debunk them. So far we've answered questions like... How much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Do plants have feelings? Why do we say cheese in photographs? And loads and loads more. I suppose you could say... We expand your mind while you wash your behind. And this This week is no different. Just like with the last few weeks, this week's question has been sent in by some wonderful Cadbury Twirl fans. They're curious about a lot of things, and we're curious about one thing in particular, Marcus. We want to get to the bottom of this. We want to find out what makes a twirl so twirly. Give me a theory. All right, so you know how diamonds are just perfect natural objects? Did you just... Is that why you call me diamond? All right. <laughs> no, I think... You know what? Diamonds are like perfectly occurring natural objects, right? Yes, yes, yes. I think the twirls are the same. That They just... They just exist. All of a sudden, they just happen. There's right? no explainer for the, why they're twirly in the inside. No, but that's the, that's the thing. No, it's... The explanation is that that's just the way they are. Every twirl is perfect. Do you know what, Marcus? That's the most plausible explanation to date, I feel. But next week, I will have a better one. Do you think so? I do. What about this week? Okay, this week's question, as I said, was sent in by some wonderful Cadbury Twirl fans, and it's a good one. Marcus and I are big fans of food, and hence love our taste buds. But this week's question, what does water taste like? So this week's question, Marcus, what does water taste like? Are you a fan of water? Well, do you know what? Like, as in, I'm a human. I need water to survive, obviously. But you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a bit of a fancy man, a bit of a a bit of a fancy boyo. I very like to, extra, very extra. Yeah, man, yeah. I like to. I'd be a sparkling water man, or like you know, water with a little bit of mint and cucumber. Yeah, I've I've only kind of recently started coming around to this whole sparkling water thing. It's it's very glam. But I do love water. You guzzle water. I guzzle water. Even yeah. growing up, I didn't like fizzy drinks. And I still don't really. I kind of keep it simple and stick to that sweet, sweet H2O. So this is the thing. like, Water is obviously a very neutral thing and you don't like fizzy drinks. But do you think water has a taste? At a base level, I don't really know if I notice water having a taste per se. As in, I couldn't pinpoint that it's sour or sweet or that it tastes like something in particular. But I will say that I do notice a taste difference in the water I drink back home in the countryside comparing to my water in the flat I live in or comparing to water I taste in different countries. Yeah, do you know what? It's like, I used to think the water didn't have a taste. Like water was just this neutral, clear liquid that you drink and everything like that. But I remember like my granny in France used to drink this uh, this sparkling water. I think it was called Badwa. It was really salty and kind of almost like sulfury and apparently it was really good for your for your liver. How glam. Yeah. She obviously has a very healthy liver. What age is she now? She's like 97. That's insane. Still knocking around. Get me some of that water. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, she definitely thought the water had a taste. And, you know, that was her preferred thing. And I mean, she was old. She had experience. So I might have to defer... To her thing, but I, I personally, hey, <laughs> I personally don't think water has too much of a taste. Yeah, I know it's kind of a it's kind of a toss up, personally speaking. But researching this episode has changed everything, Marcus. As it often does. <laughs> okay, so I think a good place to start with this one is to look a little into taste as a whole. So taste, of course, is one of the five senses. Can you name the other four, Marcus? Spidey, bat. <laughs> <laughs> No, you have taste, you have touch, you have sight, you have um, hearing and you have smell. If you could only live with two senses, what would they be? 
Oh, um, taste probably. Yeah. And sound. And sound. Yeah. Fair. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, think, like I like sight. Colors are too good to me. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, so if, like, if you could, if you could, if you could only, if you could have any sense that wasn't an actual sense, be it a spidey sense or a sense, a sense that wasn't, I don't know, a, a sense that wasn't an actual sense. Would you do like transportation or invisibilia? Invisibilia. Is that not a word? Invisibility. Invisibility. <laughs> invisibilia. Look at all the encyclopedias that I don't have. They are invisibilias. <laughs> well, podcast audience, you've just learned something. About there you go, mysteries of the world. <laughs> invisibility. No, seriously, I- invisibility or transportation? Like teleportation. Teleportation, yeah. Um, transportation. We have that, Taz. Yeah, in- invisibility or would you get a bus? <laughs> well, I don't like getting buses. I know, I'd probably go teleportation. I think I do invisibility. <laughs> invisibility. <laughs> okay, right, back to actual senses. Invisibilia. Invisibilia. Amazing. Yeah, back to back to actual senses. So according to Columbia University neurobiologist Professor Stuart Firestein. Great name. Great name. Taste really refers to four or five sensitivities. And that's sweet, sour, salt, bitter. And then there's the relatively new one that you love, Marcus. Mm-hmm. It's a new taste sensation called umami. Umami. Yeah, so taste buds are sensory organs that are found in your tongue and allow you to experience all of those tastes. So obviously, like, I, I, we're both into our food and we talk about our taste buds. But how do your taste buds work? Say, like, I eat a slice of lemon. How do I know that that's bitter? So if you stick out your tongue... Mm-hmm. Great, good, good explainer. I wish you could see this now, folks. You'll notice loads of tiny, tiny little bumps yeah. on your tongue. Those are called papillae, mm-hmm. and most of them contain taste buds. Taste buds have very sensitive microscopic hairs called microvilli, and those tiny hairs send messages to the brain about how something tastes. So you know if it's sweet, sour, bitter, or salty, or umamiish. Do you know what? If I'm learning anything from this podcast, is that every bit of our body, inside and out, is just covered in hair. Like, are you telling me that your tongue has microscopic hairs? Like, microscopic honestly, hairs. like, I know I'm a hairy dude, but this is taking it to another level. Seriously, like, hairy tongue. Hairy tongue. Listeners, I'm going to give you a bit of extra information that I'm almost sure you don't want to hear, but Marcus is covered in hair. I mean, head to toe, he has hair everywhere, but he has this tiny, unexplained patch of baldness on his left shoulder. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Like, just literally one tiny, tiny little bald patch. It's mad. But how can how can my tongue grow hair and my left shoulder can't? Anyway, like so tongue signals the brain, microvilli send signals to the brain, um, and that tells you what food tastes like. Yes. Correct? Yeah, that's exactly it. But before you give taste buds all the credit for your favorite flavours, it's important to also thank your shrone. Your nose. Your nose. So olfactory receptors inside the uppermost part of the nose contain special cells that help you smell. They send signals to the brain as well. Yeah, I knew this, but it is a bit weird when you think about it. Like, your nose can sense if something is sweet and sour. How does that work? So while you're chewing, the food releases chemicals that immediately travel up into your nose. These chemicals trigger the olfactory receptors inside your nose. They work together with your taste buds to create a true flavour of that yummy slice of pizza by telling your brain all about it. 
So that kind of explains like when you have a blocked nose or a cold, you can't taste as well. Exactly. Because your upper no- the upper part of your nose isn't clear to receive the chemicals that trigger, trigger the old olfactory receptors. That's exactly it. Okay. okay so, so now that we know what taste is and how the brain receives taste, let's tackle the question at hand. What does water taste like? Tell me now, Taz. Okay, so for thousands of years, philosophers claimed that water had zero flavour. Philosophers did? Philosophers did. Really? They they thought that it was the baseline for a sense of taste. They said, you know, like a starting point and null condition. What water is to the tongue, darkness is to the eyes and silence is to the ears. Most scientists believe that it only served as a vehicle for flavour. That's incredible. I never thought about water like that, that it could just be like almost your control for everything else. That's exactly it. Yeah. Like, so you could use as a comparison, the lemon tastes bitter, soup tastes salty, but compared to water, like, it's basically, water is the ground floor. Exactly. And say, like, a chili is the top floor. Like, that's kind of... Yeah, it's kind of like this, This I'm saying that this lemon tastes bitter because I'm comparing it to water. I'm yeah. I'm saying that this chili tastes spicy because ah, I'm comparing it to water. that's so interesting. That's exactly what they thought for a long period of time. But since then, a lot of studies have been carried out. And one such research from Caltech University, California, says... Go on, tell bum, me bum, now. Bum, bum, bum. That it should be considered an independent flavour. Water as an independent flavour. Just like, I'm an independent water who don't need no man. Miss Independent, that's what I love her. <laughs> I thought you won an independent water song off. All the water who independent, splash your water at me. Oh, God. <laughs> You've unleashed him. What are you doing? Okay, so moving on from that horrific little karaoke session... New research, water is an independent taste. The work, which appeared in the Journal of Nature Neuroscience, monitored the tongues of mice while they tasted water. Do you know what? There's some mad jobs out there. Imagine, like, <laughs> literally coming home to your wife and kids after a hard day of monitoring the tongues of mice. Imagine explaining that over Christmas dinner to your grandparents. I thought podcasting was hard. No, yeah. no, no. Well, actually, Granny. <laughs> anyway, anyway, they discovered that the taste sensors which were being stimulated when these little mice drank water wasn't in fact, the sour ones. So water has like a baseline sour taste. Well, in order to prove that sour cells in the tongue were involved in water detection, the team used a technique called optogenetics to stimulate the sour cells on the tongue with light instead of water. What's optogenetics other than a really cool word? Okay, optogenetics is a biological technique which involves the use of light to control cells in living tissue. So the scientists use light to stimulate the sour cells on the tongue. Exactly. So just as though it was water. And the team replaced the water in the water bottles of these mice with blue light. Despite not actually getting hydrated, the genetically altered mice would still go to the spout and drink the water as it stimulated the sour taste buds. That's interesting. Yeah, so these results suggest that pure water actually does have a taste, which is an interesting discovery on its own, But the finding also opens up the door for further questions, such as what information about taste are sour cells actually conveying to the brain if the tongue is registering water as sour? So if water is triggering the sour cells, then maybe sour to the brain means hydration. That's exactly it. So there's loads of new studies being carried out at the moment to try to figure out what information this is actually conveying to the brain. But that also means that water 
is an independent taste by itself, all po- songs aside. Possibly, possibly. So new research is now suggesting that a sixth type of taste receptor on the tongue is responsible for people and animals being able to determine the taste of water amongst other fluids. Well, so we started off with four, like uh, bitter, sour, sweet and salty. Yeah. And then that became five yep. when umami came along in the early 1900s. And now there could be another taste sensation. Genuinely, it's not so mad. Like, who knows in a hundred years there could be three more tastes? How insane is that? So, come here. We are kind of saying that water has a flavour. Like, that's... Water has a flavour and it is of water. That is... Yeah, exactly. But yeah. it has... It's not... It triggered some sensation in a mouse's tongue. And the cells that it triggered were the sour cells. So it's okay. definitely triggering something. Therefore, it's not just... It's not void. It's so not we, we can answer... What does water taste like? And we can actually say that it's been established as an independent flavour. Water tastes like water and it's sour. And that could have some link to either a sixth tenth, a sixth taste receptor or um, a whole new flavour. Exactly. Yeah. That's well, yeah. amazing. So there you go. That's conclusion. Um, that's, do we have any facts to end the episode? Yeah. So we've got three fabulous facts for you, Marcus. Go on. First one. Everyone has a different number of taste buds. This really? is really, really interesting. Yeah. Okay. We have several thousand taste buds in our mouth, but the number varies from person to person, and it's quite a large variant. It can go between 2,000 and 10,000 taste buds between people. It's kind of like Hang the on, average range. Between 2,000 and 10,000? Yeah, so that's a huge, you know, it can that's double massive. triple. Some people can have double and triple the amount of taste buds as another. And as you age, your taste buds become less sensitive, which... Experts believe maybe why food you didn't like as a child become more palatable as you become an adult. I'd say how many taste buds you have has a massive effect on like your your perception of flavour and how well you can cook. Like I'd love to, you know, sit down Gordon Ramsay or someone like that and actually just count the individual taste buds on his tongue. I know, isn't That'd it be amazing? really weird, yeah, Gordon, really if you're listening. Good. I'd say you'd probably, you could test the amount of taste buds on his tongue and then get somebody in Bangkok, a lady who who makes food in a shack on the side of the road and she probably has three times the amount of yeah, taste probably. buds. Yeah, probably. Anyway, um, your next your next, your next question? Go on. Okay, so this one is kind of known but it was kind of questionable for a while but it is in fact true that your genes influence whether coriander or cilantro tastes like herb or like soap. Really? Mm. I thought you know what? I I don't have that gene. I love coriander. I know that like there's definitely people listening to this going, "You're the devil." So I, I thank my parents every day for not passing their soapy genes to me. I know coriander is one of my favorites. Yeah. I think it's it's my fave herb. Okay, so one more. Go on. Tell me now. Every person's tongue is unique, just like a fingerprint. Really? Re- yep, yep. Researchers are working on ways to use the tongue as a biometric authenticator, a reliable way to positively identify a person. So instead of being like, you've been caught red-handed, it's like, you've been caught licking everything. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Now, like, that's the conclusion of the episode. Water has a flavour and it's water. There's someone's job is, like... Checking out mouse tongues, and your tongue can be identifiable. And your tongue can be identifiable. Three great facts to end a good episode. This I was feel. this was an information heavy episode. I mean, I dig this. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of In the Shower with Taz and Marcus. If you like what you've heard, good news. There's over fifty 
four episodes for you to binge listen to. If you listen to all of those episodes, if you listen to 15 or 20 or whoever many of those episodes, you will be a more interesting dinner party guest. Knowledge is sex. If you liked what you heard today, please recommend us to a friend. Hit subscribe, follow us, do whatever you're doing. Uh, just help spread the gospel of In The Share With Taz and Mark because it really makes a massive difference. If you've liked what you've heard so much that you want to get in touch, we would love that so much. You can get in touch on email at intheshowerpodcast at gmail.com. Or if you're more of a social media person, you can just look us up on Facebook at In The Share With Taz and Marcus or Twitter at In The Shower Pod. Send us on any questions that you would like us to answer because our twirly thoughts, sob sob, are almost coming to a close. It's been great. It's been so great. We've been submitted such amazing questions. I've eaten some delicious twirls. As have I. All in the name of research. And we're one step closer to finding out the most mysterious question of them all. What makes a twirl so twirly? I'll be giving my uh, my guess next week, Marcus. Yeah, do you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm excited for it, but I don't think it's going to be as good as mine. <laughs> a few thank yous to end the episode. First off, thank you so much to Alan and Paddy and all the crew in the Headstuff Studios. We love you guys. A massive thank you to the wonderful and ever-talented Flo Robinson, who's coming over for Electric Picnic to have a big dance with us in, uh, in Ireland. So thank you, Flo. We love you. And finally, thank you so much to Dave Gertzman for our amazing team music. Next week's question. Next week's question was actually supposed to be this week's question, but we had a bit of a mix up. So next week's question is now next week's question. What is it, Marcus? Next week's question is another question submitted by a Cadbury Twirl fan, and it's who put the alphabet in order? That episode is going to be out next Monday in time for your morning shower. But in the meantime, keep scrubbing. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.